So today on, on, on our Sports Center show with Keith Jacobs and Loro, we're going to talk about the breaking news surrounding Jacksonville Jaguars, surrounding Tom Coughlin. And for the MLB, we're going to talk about uh, reaction from the winter meetings this past week and also a recap of week 15 and then a preview of week 16. So welcome to our show. And Keith, it's good to have you back on the show after a long absence. Yeah, great to be back, man. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, even though that you're busy with school, I understand that. But whenever you're on on Christmas or summer break, then I have you back on. Yep, and I'm excited to get back after it. All right, let's start with our top stories right now. Let's start off with the breaking news in Jacksonville. Tom Coughlin, you, you're very familiar with him. He has been relieved of his duties as the Jaguars president of, of football operations. And do you think that this was the necessary move for the Jaguars? A new direction absolutely i mean it, it's really not surprising to me um i mean you know you start with just the, the the blunder on the blake Bortles signing that was a bad contract and then you know i think organizationally i think that team and that front office has lost faith in doug barone and you know you trade your best player in jalen ramsey and now all of a sudden it you know now the nick Foles contract you signed him to 85 million dollars and he's lost all three of his starts and he's sitting the bench behind Gardner Minshew. And, you know, to, it, it just looks like everything starting from the Blake Bortles signing on has just seemed to cause the Jacksonville Jaguars to fall apart from a team that we once thought had the ability with that defense and with a really good running back in Leonard Fournette to compete in the AFC to now just a, a joke sitting in last place in the AFC South. Yeah, they have not been the same team since playing the Patriots in the AFC title game back back in the 2017-2018 season. And I got to tell you, the Jaguars need to move in a new direction. They need to move on from Nick Foles and start building around Gardner Minshew. Yeah, they absolutely. The first thing I would do, I know it's a big contract, but I'm looking to trade Nick Foles to a team that you know it may be looking to move on from a quarterback. And I think they need to get some more pieces on uh, – you know, on that offensive line in particular, keep Gardner Minshew, Gardner Minshew healthy, keep him upright, um, and, you know, continue to add to that defense as well. Get another corner alongside A.J. Bouye, guy to replace Jalen Ramsey. Um, and an, another thing I think that they need to do as well, I think they need to get rid of Doug Marone. It looks like that team has given up on Doug Marone, and they need to go in a new direction. Absolutely. They need a new GM and a new coach, and also – Shad Khan needs to fig- needs to get this uh, get this team back together where it once was. But also another top story is the Lakers. However, losing to the Pacers. It, do you think you should panic here when the Lakers when the Lakers lost to the Pacers yesterday? Oh, absolutely not. No way. I, I think that you know you, this early on in the season, obviously you're going to have uh, games like you have against the Pacers, where you know you're the significantly better team, but you lose the you lose the basketball game and. Um, you know, I, I think the Lakers right now have clearly shown with, you know, the chemistry that they have between AD and LeBron James, the way that all of these players like Danny Green and, and you know, the surprising guys like Dwight Howard are able to fit in so well with this team. Uh, I, you know, my personal opinion, they are far and away right now the best team in the NBA, and I think that this loss to the Pacers does not change that narrative at all. And another top storyline to talk about is, what could do you think the Dodgers should should trade for Mookie Betts? I kind of think no, because it's a bad contract. You're going to have to trade him and David Price of the Dodgers in exchange for AJ Pollock and Jack Peterson. I would do that in a heartbeat. But the Dodgers do it, I'll, probably not. 
No, I don't see the Dodgers doing that. And, you know, honestly, I think that even if you want to engage in a trade for Mookie Betts, you're going to have to give up so much more than just a, uh, you know, than, than just a Jock Peterson. Or, you know, you're probably going to have to dig a little bit deeper into your farm system. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, the Red Sox asked for guys like a, you know, like a Kibut Ruiz or, or, you know, even maybe a Gavin Lux in that conversation, which I know those are guys the Dodgers would not want to give up. Um, I think that, you know, and the contract for Mookie Betts is going to be huge to be able to take on your payroll. So, uh, you know, while he is such an unbelievable player, that the idea of bringing him onto your team would be great. It's just the risks of giving up, A, giving up so many players, and B, taking on that big contract outweigh, you know, having a guy like that in your organization. I don't think the Dodgers are going to make a trade for Mookie Betts. I think Mookie Betts will remain a Red Sox, but I think the Red Sox are trying to do is trying to move up on from David Price so that the Red Sox could have more uh, financial flexibility in their payroll. Yeah, and that would certainly make a lot of sense, especially because we've started, you know, we've started to see a couple of things with David Price. We've started to see some injury problems over the last few years, and he certainly has not lived up to that contract by any stretch of the imagination. He had a very good year uh, during the World Series year, but outside of that, he's been generally a mid-level pitcher, but, you know, certainly not living up to the outrageous amount of money that they paid him when they signed up that contract. Absolutely, and another top storyline is uh... – do you think this last week when the Giants played the Dolphins, did you think that this was Eli Manning's final NFL game, or do you think he'll play maybe week 17 so that he can, he can give Giants fans a, a, a memorable send-off? I think he'll play week 17, and it's not really just the send-off thing. I think on top of that, I, you know, with the, with the position that they're in right now as far as their record, their place in, in, you know, in football, there's really no reason to – have Daniel Jones go back out there and play again the rest of this season. I think it's important for him to, you know, heal his ankle properly. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really, really going to be sad to see Eli go. But at the same time, you know, I think that he's had an unbelievable career. And, um, you know, it, it would just be nice for him to be able to go out on a strong note. Yeah, I think if you look at it, I think the Giants are definitely going to begin the Daniel Jones era be effective immediately next year. It already started when Eli Manning got benched, but when Daniel Jones got hurt, then Giants fans were like, oh, we want to see Eli Manning play one more, like one more games, you know? Yeah, I got to tell you, I, I was not really super thrilled uh, about Eli getting in there. I feel like I'm the only Giants fan to have that opinion. Um, but, you know, to me, I, I feel like, there's just such a, a huge sentiment behind this, uh, you know, Eli's kind of last stand thing that it almost kind of takes away from the whole point of the football game, really, for the New York Giants, which is to go out there and try to get yourself the best draft position. And, um, you know, look, and that's not to say I don't have any sort of sentimental, um, you know, emotion toward Eli. I am forever grateful to the, you know, things that he's done for the organization and, and the Super Bowls and the success that he's brought. But at the same time, I'm, I'm very emotionally ready as well to move on and fully so and fully focus on Daniel Jones and the growth of him as a quarterback. He's definitely turning in the right direction. What we've saw from him this past this year, and I think next this offseason, I think the Giants need to prioritize getting an offensive line for him and also receivers. They absolutely do. I mean, their weapons uh, on the outside. Even though they do have good weapons, they have some injury problems. You know, Evan Ingram's now going to be going under the knife. He's getting surgery. 
Sterling Shepard's had some concussion issue, uh, concussion issues. Uh, Saquon Barkley just, you know, recently this year started having that ankle problem. And, and, you know, like you mentioned, that offensive line is still not good enough yet. You have a couple of nice pieces. I like their guard spots with Kevin Zeitler and Will Hernandez. But that Nate Solder contract has been terrible. They can't figure out the center position. And Mike Remmers at right tackle seems to be a little bit washed up to me. So they need to figure that out going forward. They have to figure that out. And, and they're playing the Redskins on Sunday. We could see a glimpse of the future quarterbacks of Jones and uh, Haskins, which we'll talk about shortly. But also, for what was your reaction staying with the Nationals and also Garrett Cole going to the Yankees. Wow, good God. Um, both uh, massive amounts of money. Um, both incredibly well-deserved. I think as far as Garrett Cole goes, I, I think that this overwhelmingly puts the Yankees in a great position to be able to win the World Series. I think as far as I'm concerned, I take a look at the New York Yankees now, and they have absolutely no excuses to be able to not win the World Series at this point. Last year, I, I saw their starting pitching as a fault. You take a look at the inconsistencies that they had with Tanaka and Paxton and Severino not being on the field with injuries. Now you're going to have a full year, probably, hopefully, of Luis Severino. You hope to get some consistency out of Paxton and, and Tanaka now that the pressure's taken off of them to not be that main guy. And you have arguably outside of Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, the best pitcher in baseball now going into that rotation. So they, they seem to have their roster set. And then for the Washington Nationals, I think that, you know, the, the Strasburg move was a necessary thing for them to be able to do. I, I think that, you know, I, if it were me personally, I would have wanted to keep Strasburg more so than Anthony Rendon. And I think that that's what they showed. They showed that they valued their starting pitching with Strasburg and with Scherzer more than they valued Rendon because now they're going to have Carter Kaiboom coming up. He'll be able to take a spot in that lineup. They have guys like, obviously, Juan Soto is incredible. Um, you know, Trey Turner is a very, very solid player up the middle as well for them. They have Victor Robles. They got a ton of really good talent, and they keep that pitching staff together. And as long as they can continue to build that bullpen, I think this national team is going to continue to be able to fight for the top of that division and, and compete for a National League crown again. That's a, that's a tough division, the NL East. But I have the Nationals as my early favorite to win the National League East. I am... What I saw this past year in the playoffs – they looked like to be the – they could have won the NL East with the roster that they had last season. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And, you know, it, it certainly is going to be a really, really competitive division. Obviously, the Phillies have made some significant moves. Um, the Braves are still returning that same roster that won the division last year. The Nationals are going to be good. I have no idea what in the world is going to come from the New York Mets, but we will see. And I the think Marlins. Be... Don't forget about the Marlins. The Marlins are still tanking. Yeah, the Marlins are still tanking. Roster than Miami. They certainly do. They absolutely do. But also going back to the Nationals, I think now that Strasburg is set and now Rendon to the Angels, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Do you think the Nationals should go after Josh Donaldson? <sighs> yes, I do. I do. And now the reason why is because so that Kai Boom is, is stays at second and then they bring back Ryan Zimmerman on another one-year deal. Yeah, I think that that's definitely something reasonable. You're obviously not going to have to overpay uh, for Josh Donaldson. You probably are maybe going to have to give him two, maybe three years after the performance that he had last year, but you're certainly not going to have to give him an insane amount of money. He's going to give you a lot of production. And, now, and he's coming off of a year with the Braves, so now he understands that division top to bottom, 
and he's going to be able to give you some firepower. I just don't think in the Braves' hands. I think the Braves want to want to commit to Austin Riley at third base. That's why I think Donaldson's going to be a member of the Nationals. Yeah, I agree with you. And hopefully Austin Riley, speaking on him, hopefully he's able to fully recover from that ACL injury because when he's healthy, he is a heck of a player. Yeah, the Braves actually missed him. I kind of think with the Braves, if you look at their roster, I kind of think that they should move Ender Enciarte to right field so that you keep Acuna in center. You don't want to waste his speed. Oh, I agree 100%. He can cover great ground in center field. I think he plays an excellent center field. And, and, that, and that's no indictment to Ender Enciarte because he certainly has the ability to play center. But with a guy like Acuna at his age with his speed, you need to be able to take advantage of that as much as possible. You have to. And also, you agree with me on Josh Donaldson being a member of the Nationals. I, th- I think that's going to happen. I think the Nationals are going to bring back Ron Zimmerman. I don't think Zimmerman's ready to retire just yet. Because I, I think the Nationals without Rendon, I think this Nationals team is, is, gonna, is in good hands. I still think they're in good hands, too. they got a lot of really good young talent. Um, obviously, you're going to miss a guy like Rendon. But if you bring in Donaldson, that, that's certainly a power bat that can – you know, live up to that capability. And he is still at this point in his career, maybe not with the same range, but he's still at this point in his career, a pretty solid defender at third base. A number five hitter that the Nationals could look for so that if the Nationals bring back Zimmerman, Zimmerman could hit third. Yeah, and it would still be, even without Rendon, it would still be a very, very dangerous lineup. Yeah, but the only problem with the Nationals is their bullpen. I didn't, Mm -hmm. like, like, look at it last year. I thought the Dodgers would get to the Nationals' bullpen and wear them out. But the starting ro- the starting rotation was just too good for the Dodgers to overcome this past playoffs. Yeah, the starting rotation was absolutely unbelievable. And, and you know, if you really think about it, too, with their bullpen, their bullpen significantly overachieved in the playoffs, especially when you talk about a guy like Daniel Hudson, who, um, you know, bounced around significantly for the last three or four years, um, you know, wound up having a, a decent – first half of the Toronto Blue Jays and then all of a sudden slides in really nicely to that closer role with the Nationals and their bullpen all year long up until the point they got to the playoffs was absolutely terrible so they really need they cannot rely on having that bullpen together because they showed you for 90% of the season that they cannot get the job done so you can't take a look at that small sample size in the postseason and think that's going to fully translate over to 162 games because it will not. Yeah, it will not. And also, let's talk about what was your thoughts on Didi Gregorius joining the city of brotherly love? And you think Didi Gregorius is going to add a different dimension to this Phillies lineup? They already have a couple of all-stars on this, on this, in this lineup. But my only concern with the Phillies is the pitching. Yeah, it's a huge concern, especially in their bullpen. Um, I still think they need to fill out the rest of their rotation. I think they need to go out and get another lefty starter. Um, I really think that they should take a, a very, very good look at Dallas Keuchel. Um, but I, I love Didi Gregorius in this lineup. First of all, you're going to have the ability to have two really solid defenders up the middle in both Didi Gregorius and what I, and what I think is going to happen is they're probably going to end up moving Gene Segura to second base. That's so not a re- bad combo in the middle infield for the Phillies. That's going to be a fun one to watch in Philly this year. Yeah, that's a very good combo. They both can hit. I think Didi Gregorius is going to enjoy hitting in Philly. Um, it's just not, not the same short ports that he experienced in Yankee Stadium, but still short nonetheless. And, um, you know, he's going to fill out a lineup that is, is pretty deep when they're healthy, and it's a very team-friendly contract. 
And he's played and under Joe Girardi. Also, he knows Joe Girardi. I, I, speaking of Girardi, I love that hire by the Phillies, although your Mets would have loved to have him as your manager. Oh, I would have loved to have Joe Girardi, but an excellent hire by the Phillies, a dude who's got in, incredible playoff experience against them as well. Won his first World Series against the Philadelphia Phillies, right? So he knows, he knows that organization, and he, you know, he, he's just a guy who – has the right temperament to be able to lead a team that's as young as the Philadelphia Phillies are. He's experienced. He has good baseball knowledge. He knows the game. He's very good situationally, generally speaking. And I, I think that this is just a, a, a out of the park you mean hire. It's a good start in in Philadelphia. Absolutely. Until they they but still now they again just need to fill out some other needs in the roster. But my only concern with the Phillies is they just they got to make a change at GM. At, with Matt Clintock. Oh, uh, oh my God! Yes, absolutely. I could not agree more. Philly fans, you know them. If their GM doesn't do well, then they don't like them. That's why I think I just don't think, in the perspective of Philly of the Phillies fans, they just are not happy with Matt Clintock. No, I think I think the main problem is that Clintock has really overvalued his pitching staff, which is is clearly not up to snuff. You've had injuries in the bullpen, guys underperforming. You've had guys in the rotation like Zach Eflin who've been inconsistent. Uh, that Jake Arrieta contract was not good at all. Um, and, and guys like, you know, Nick Pavetta, for example, who they had really high hopes on with great stuff, was just god-awful the moment he stepped in that rotation. And it put a lot of pressure on Aaron Nola to have to go out there every single day and be that stopper on that fifth day. And, and the Phillies had a, even rely on Aaron Nola. They and, every fifth day and have him go deep into a game to save the bullpen. The Phillies need more than that. Zach Wheeler's a good start, but Jake that is, hasn't lived up to expectations yet. Yeah, Zach Wheeler is a good start. You're absolutely right. But, you know, two guys does not make a five-man rotation. You have to get deeper. You have to go get guys that are, are going to eat up innings, which is why, like I said, I think they should take a very, very extensive look at a guy like a Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think – what if Joe? If I were Joe Girardi, and if it comes to the closer role, he should just give it to Sir Anthony Dominguez, not Hector Neris. Absolutely, Sir Anthony Dominguez has the better stuff, and I mean, you know as what well, you and I know as well as anybody that hanging splitter from Hector Neris can just come out at any time. Joe Girardi should know that about Hector yeah. Neris because I think Kapler, when he during his time as the Phillies manager, he he meant, he didn't know how to use Hector Neris. No, he didn't know how to use that bullpen in general. And I think it was a, a very good move um, by the Phillies to, to get him out of there and bring in a guy like Girardi. And I think Girardi is going to manage this Phillies bullpen pretty well. I think this Phillies team is going to get back to where it once was. But I just, I just, my only concern with the Phillies is they need to get a left-handed starter. They also, I could see them adding another lefty, lefty reliever in the bullpen. Yeah, they need to they they need to just continue to fill out their pitching staff because their offense is certainly good enough to compete with any team in the National League. But you know, as we all know, pitching wins championships. Absolutely. And now with Zach Wheeler to the Mets to leaving the Mets to the Phillies, and you said Zach Wheeler is going to be good for the Phillies. Who do you? What is your thoughts on Rick Porcello and Michael Waka joining the Mets? Who who did you like out of the most of this signings, Porcello or Waka? Um, it, well, listen, I mean, both contracts are, are team friendly. So, I mean, even if both of them completely underperform, it's not like it's going to be the worst thing in the world. My, I, my thing is, is that 
I like Waka more, and here's why. I see stuff potential with Michael Waka. I know what Rick Porcello is at this point in his career, 89 to 91 with shake, decent curveball. But at this point in his career, he's kind, you know, he, he is giving up so much more runs right now, giving up so much more hard contact than he was in his Cy Young year. His stuff has clearly declined. With Waka, I still see 94 to 97, a good changeup, good overhand breaking ball. Just needs to understand how to use his off-speed pitches and just needs to understand, you know, get a better feel for his mechanics. Obviously, stay healthy. That's the number one thing. Um, but I think getting into the Mets organization, you know, with, uh, with a Jeremy Hefner, um, you know, with a Phil Reagan, those guys are going to be able to help him understand how to use his stuff better, take better advantage of his pitches. And I think with that plus stuff that he has, he, he, could, he could be effective if he's able to stay on the field. Yeah, he can. And also, I think Brody Van Wagenen has done a pretty good job this offseason in knowing the Mets' needs. And I think, I think also, with that being said, do you think it's true that – I heard what Carlos Beltran, your new manager, said. Do you think – I've heard he said good things about Pete Alonso. Do you think it's true that he's going to be your clubhouse leader by the time the new season begins? Absolutely. I think he's going to be one of them, certainly. I mean, you have a guy of that stature who's played, you know, at, at such an incredibly high level. First of all, you expect him to be able to grow into such a leader as a, you know, one of the most talented players on your team. But, you know, he, he comes to the field every day and he shows that passion, that intensity, that fire. And, you know, you can just see it in the interviews, the way, you know, that his teammates kind of rally around him, his teammates love him. He's able to galvanize the people in that clubhouse. And I think in year two, after having such an unbelievably productive rookie season, he, he's going to be asked to step up, not just, again, in an offensive standpoint, but, you know, from a leadership standpoint, to be able to take over the reins for, you know, what is a, a relatively young Mets ball club, you know, to be able to take that next step toward what is hopefully competing for an NLE's crown. Yeah, I, th- I, I kind of think when the Mets moved on from Mickey Calloway, I, think, I know Carlos Beltran pretty well. You've seen him play for the Mets. I think he's going to be a great manager for the New York Mets. I think so too. Uh, you know, one of the smarter baseball minds that you're going to find in, in the sport. And, you know, obviously a dude who is, you know, familiar with, you know, both the Latin players and, and, you know, the, the, uh, the domestic players. So he's going to be able to, you know, get that language ba- you know, language barrier intact. And, and, you know, again, just a really smart dude, really well, you know, mild tempered and, uh, you know, a guy who just came off of playing in in this modern day area, so he era, so he understands the players in this league. He understands the teams. He knows the opposing managers. So he's going to be able to plan accordingly and not really have to play too much catch up in the managerial role. So I, even I'm though pretty he's a rookie manager, about I think it. do a great job. I'm pretty excited about it. I bet you are because. Now Mickey Calloway joins Joe Madden and the Angels because you know Matt, Mickey Calloway pitched for the Angels, and I, I don't know what you thought about that when when Mickey Calloway after he left the after the Mets fired him. Did you think that this was a good good opportunity for Mickey Calloway to be a pitching coach for the Angels? Oh, definitely. I I think that you know there are guys who are just better at lower ranking roles than they are you know, being a manager or, or, you know, there are guys in, in, in football, for example, who are better coordinators than they are head coaches. That's just the way it is. And, and, you know, Mickey Calloway, when he was with the Cleveland Indians proved that he was a great pitching coach. And I, I think going back to this role 
with the Angels is going to be able to be a good opportunity for him. Now let's talk about let's talk about our reaction to the Corey Kluber trade to the Rangers. So, do you think that when the Rangers traded Corey Kluber, do you think that this improves their rotation? Absolutely. I I cannot believe this trade. I can't believe the Indians actually gave up on him after missing a whole year. I was like, why would the Indians do that to an ace? I cannot believe it. I, I really can't. And on top of that, I, I can't believe what they got for him. I think the Indians got completely fleeced in this trade. You give up a Cy Young winner for a, a, a flame-throwing reliever and a prospect, and that's it? Like, are you kidding me? And also, I don't think next, after the Indians traded Kluber, I don't picture the Indians trading Francisco Lindor and Mike Clevenger. Although they were rumored to be a Dodger, and I was like, the Indians will not trade Clevenger and Lindor. I think the Indians want to save up that money to extend Lindor and Clevenger. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think those two are going to be the, you know, the centerpieces of that franchise going forward. Although I hate trade rumors, and although that the Dodgers were inquired on Lindor and Clevenger, I, I say no to the Dodgers to, to getting those guys. Yeah, I, I would think that they would have to give up so much in order to do it. So I, I just don't think it would be worth it. I think now that Corey Kluber is gone, do you think it's true that Mike Clevenger is their new ace? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And I think that, you know, Clevenger showed that ace ability and, you know, now he's going to have to step up along with, you know, and, and it's good because he's not being left with no rotation depth behind them whatsoever. You still have Carlos Carrasco, Shane Bieber is a very, very good pitcher. Zach Plesak showed a lot of ability. So even though you lose a high caliber guy like Kluber for literally nothing at all you you still have what is a pretty solid pitching staff yeah despite losing kluber i think the indians are going to bounce back in a big way and uh they kept Fran mill rest i don't know if they're going to keep yasiel puig although puig is meeting with the miami marlins but the marlins are not doing squat at all mm -hmm. but yeah i think carrasco with his health with, it, with overcoming his health scare I think Carrasco is definitely going to make a big difference when he when he returns fully healthy. Absolutely, when healthy, he is he has incredible stuff, and I think that you know if he's on the field this year for full thirty to thirty five starts, he he's going to bounce back to an all star form. And also, let's talk about the big news down in the Angels. What do you think about how do you think Anthony Rendon's going to change this lineup for the Angels? Do you think? Do you think that this was a, a, a good move for the Angels so that they could build around Mike Trout on that lineup? Or do you think the Angels could have done better and not addressed Rendon and just got another starter or two? I, I really think that this is not the signing that they needed to make. I think it's cool. Um, I think there's a lot of offensive firepower for them, but this is not what they needed to address at all. They needed to go out and – and address their starting rotation and address their bullpen because last couple of years, the offense has not been the problem. They've had more than enough offensive pieces to be able to score runs. The problem has been their pitching. And I know they're going to get Otani back, but that's just one guy. Outside of that, they really have not had very many productive starters, and they haven't had many consistent bullpen pieces. They, like, here's the thing. I think Griffin Canning is going to be a future ace for the Angels. Dylan Bundy's solid, but he's not really – your true ace yeah no he, he's a decent pitcher but i mean at, at his best he's probably like a high-end number two at the most i would say but they're gonna need more than that but also the angels 
in order for them to get Rendon, what did you think about Zach Cozart now joining the San Francisco Giants? I think he's yeah, going to start there at second base. Yeah, I think so. That's an interesting trade. Um, I, I really like that up the middle with uh, Brandon Crawford and him. I, I think that's going to be, number one, that's a really, really good defensive duo up the middle, 100%. Um, but I think Cozart, you know, showed over the last couple of years that he has power to his game. And obviously in San Francisco, with it being a much bigger ballpark, he's going to have to be able to display that power. And, um, you know, it adds a, another dimension to the lineup and, What's sort of a weird Giants team that I can't figure out if they're building yeah, for this the is future weird competing? I don't know. Bob Garner is now a Diamondback, which we'll get to in just a minute. We were going to talk about him joining the Angels, but we'll talk about Madison Bumgarner joining the Arizona Diamondbacks shortly. But this team, without Bumgarner for the Giants, do you think that their number one guy is going to be Johnny Cueto? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. And he has to be able to stay healthy. I'm interested to see how this season goes for him fully bouncing back now off of Tommy John surgery, but when healthy, he's hundred percent their number one starter. What about the addition of Kevin Gosman? Do you think that's going to help? That's going to make a difference in their rotation. Yeah. It's a really interesting move because when Gosman, Gosman's always had a plus stuff. It's really just a matter of him being on the field and, and, you know, having that competitive attitude. But when he is on the field, He's got that A-plus stuff. I think he could be – I think if he really, really works this year, he's going to be able to be a solid number two behind uh, Johnny Cueto. Some subtractions for the Giants was they lost Will Smith, not the Dodgers' Will Smith. Will Smith's a brave, and he's going to be their setup man. But who do you think's going to be their closer for the Giants? Do you, do you see that? Do you see the Giants giving it to Reyes Maranta? As of right now, yeah. Um, I mean, there's still a plethora of relievers on the market that they can certainly choose from as of right now. But Reyes Morata seems to me to be the perfect fit right now for the closer role. Yeah, I think the Giants' bullpen is going to be decent. But their starting pitching is going to be good with Cueto at the top. And then Samarja is not really that good. But I think Derek Rodriguez is going gonna, is gonna to emerge this upcoming season. I thought Rodriguez took a step back last year. I think this year Derek Rodriguez is going to return to his 2018 form. Yeah, I agree. I think the, uh, I, I think the rotation is going to have to be a really big strong point for the Giants. And, you know, certainly they have some really, really solid pieces to start off with. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of, like you said, Derek Rodriguez being able to bounce back and, uh, you know, having Cueto be good off of Tom, you know, in his first year off of Tommy John, can Kevin Gosman fit? Can Samarja be more consistent than he has been in the past? Yeah, and I think with Cozart now there, I think that I think Mauricio Dubon should be used like Kike Hernandez, like he should play infield and also play some outfield as well because he's really fast. Yeah, he is really fast, and you could use that speed anywhere. He's gonna have. I, I think you have to get the most out of him that you possibly can make him as versatile as possible. That's what I think now that Cozart's on board, I think he'll be on the opening day roster. I think he could definitely get some starts in center field. I think he, I think my theory on that is that now that uh, Cozart's a, uh, a giant now at second base, I think you move Dubon to center field. Yeah, I definitely agree. Especially with that speed covering ground and, a really, really big center field in San Francisco. I think that could work out. And then you, and then you start uh, Mike Yastrzemski in right field. Yeah, I like him. I like Mike Yastrzemski a lot. He's good. He hit. He had a good year last year, and I think this year he's he's going to get even better and better. Yeah, I agree with you. 
And then in left field, I would probably give that to Austin Slater. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 100%. He's not no. an everyday guy. But no, I don't think so. He's going to be looking weird without Madison Bumgarner. So what do you think about Madison Bumgarner now being a member of the Arizona Diamondbacks? I think it's interesting. Um, I, I actually think that that could really pay off for them very well. You know, they, they traded, they needed to trade Greinke when they did. I, I think that was necessary. You get that big contract off the books. Um, you know, at the time they were kind of stagnant, not really going anywhere. So they still have a lot of good offensive pieces. Um, you know, I think they need to, I, I think, the number one thing that needs to happen for them this year, outside of obviously the rotation pieces needing to work, the back end of their bullpen, Archie Bradley's got to figure it out along with Yohan Lopez. The both of them eight, not whether I don't care who's the closer. I think Bradley, Bradley really, really needs to figure it out. He has the stuff, but talk about the top two in the rotation. Talk about Bumgarner and Ray, man, that's going to be a good top two. Yeah. I really like it a lot. I think Bumgarner is, I, I like what they paid for him. I think that's a fair amount. And I still think Bumgarner, you got to think he's 29 years old, Madison Bumgarner. He's still got a lot of baseball left in him. And, you know, he, he's obviously not had a lot of innings taxed on his arm over the last few years because of injuries. And I, I, I really like it. I really do like the move. And I think it's a great fit. And I, I like him at the top of that rotation a lot. Yeah, Bumgarner, Ray. And then you have another up and coming guy in John Duplantier, who I think is going to be a star on this Diamondbacks rotation, if you know what I'm talking about. He is he has good stuff. But I think I think the Diamondbacks need to get a right fielder. And if they get Marcelo Zuna in right field, then they're set with their lineup. Ooh, that would be very interesting. You have Marcelo Zuna, Cattell Marte, David Peralta. That's very interesting. Diamond I really David like Peralta that. last year. He was again out for the season. And I was like, if the if Peralta's injured. What is that? What were the Diamondbacks without David Peralta? Yeah, they're basically ju- they they would basically just have to tell Marte out on an island. Peralta's arguably their best all around hitter. Yeah, you put him in left field, but I think the Diamondbacks need a, a, a right fielder, and they should go after Marcelo Zuna, even though the Cardinals think they're going to resign him. Or what if instead of Peralta, what if what if instead of Ozuna, what if they get Castellanos, who's still on the market? That would be very interesting. It would certainly be much a lower cost, I think, than Ozuna, but, you know, you still get a solid power bat out of it. I kind of like that idea. I think they should go after Castellanos because now Adam Jones is now is now going to be playing – is taking his talents overseas. Would have liked to see yeah. the backs keep him. Yeah. Yeah, no, I – um, I think the Diamondbacks could be a very, very interesting team this year. I they really can. do. Under Tori Lovello, I think Bumgarner is going to love hitting these balls out of the yard. I think, but I also I also think this was good because I can't wait to see when the Diamondbacks play the Dodgers, so that whenever Bumgarner faces the Dodgers, I want to see Max Muncy hit a home run off of him again, and it goes into the <laughs> swimming pool. Yeah, continue that that funny rivalry. I really like that. That's why it's a good thing Bumgarner stayed in the division, although the yeah. Dodgers had some interest in him. Kershaw was open to having Bumgarner as his teammate. Yeah, that mm. – wow. I never, I never even thought about that one. I didn't even know they had interest, but that would, that would certainly be fun. That would be – Now let's talk be... about the, the Dodgers. And what did you think about Blake trying and joining the Dodgers? I think that's such a great move. I, I thought that this was arguably the most underrated reliever on the market. 
Um, I mean, this is a dude who two years ago was arguably the best closer in baseball, 0.89 ERA, 40-plus saves. I think last year, you know, he had a couple of blown saves early on and then his confidence started to waver a little bit. But, you know, when he's healthy and when he's on the field and he's got his confidence up, you're getting a sinking fastball at 98 to 100 with a wicked breaking ball. I mean, this is a dude that can, you know, this is just a guy with A-plus stuff that fits really nicely between Joe Kelly and, and Kenley Jansen. I think this is an, uh, an excellent signing. So do you think the Dodgers could go after Patances next? Do you think that could solidify the Dodgers bullpen project? I think it would make their I, I think it would make the Dodgers bullpen incredibly lethal if they went after Dylan Batantis. And I think that you could get him on a relatively short deal too. So, you know, you, you think about the back end of that bullpen if they were to get him. Batantis, Joe Kelly, Blake Trinan, Kenley Jansen, that's as good of a four piece, you know, four headed monster in the back end as anybody in the league. I feel like that the four headed monster right now in the Dodger bullpen is Baez and Kelly and Trinan and Jansen. Yeah, but I, I, I immediately, you know, immediately again, you know, you bring in Batances. That's such an upgrade to me over Pedro Baez. Baez has great stuff, and he's improved a lot this past couple years. But if you can get Trinan to be a Dodger, oh, my God. Oof. Oof. Lethal. Absolutely lethal. And also, so there are two rookies I think I'm very confident in. Gavin Lux for sure. But mm-hmm. you got to be excited about Dustin May. Noah Syndergaard 2.0, who I think is going to be in the rotation for the Dodgers. Big-time arm, smooth mechanics, flowing hair that you absolutely love to see. He's got the style. He's got the arm. He has a really, really tight slider that I really love. And, you know, I got to see a little bit of both of them when the Dodgers played the Mets uh, up at City Field. And, you know, I, I, a couple of things jumped out at me. Number one, Gavin Lux, not a super big guy, but a lot of pop. Much more pop than I expected. I was really, really shocked by that. And May has a, an incredible arm that I expect to translate perfectly to the starting rotation. You think in the future the Dodgers' three-headed monsters in the rotation is going to be Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, and Dustin May? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's going to, I, I think that's going to turn out to probably be the – best three-headed monster in baseball. You still have Clayton Kershaw there, but I do think Clayton Kershaw will definitely be a big help in their development. Oh, definitely. You get a guy, you get a, a surefire Hall of Famer like that, you know, next to you to be able to pick his brain is, is so unbelievably helpful to these young guys coming up, trying to still trying to figure out how to pitch. There were trade rumors that kind of bothered me about the Dodgers trading Corey Seager, and I was like, the Dodgers shouldn't do it. Be patient with Corey Seager. I believe oh, Corey yeah. Seager, he had 19 home runs last year. He didn't have – he had an okay season last year, but I see big things coming for Corey Seager come 2020. Yeah, no, you and, I, you and I preached this consistently all throughout the season, which was you have to be patient with Corey Seager. Give him time because he's still coming off of that surgery. He's still trying to get a feel for his swing, get a feel for his arm health on a consistent everyday basis. So his swing is not – his swing and his offensive production is, is just not going to be the same right off the bat. You have to be patient. You have to allow him to get back into the rhythm of his swing. And I think 2020, now fully, a year fully removed – off of the surgery, he's going to get his confidence back. He's going to get his swing back. And I think he's going to have a big 2020. 
So do you think Dustin May is going to be in the rotation for the Dodgers in 2020, assuming that if the Dodgers want to move on from Maeda and want to keep Ryu, and if Ryu doesn't stay, you think May's in there? I think so. Yeah, I think they should probably move on from Maeda. Um, I think you do what you can to sign Ryu, but you don't overpay for Ryu. If you find yourself in a situation where you have to overpay, then I think you let him go. As of right now, the Dodgers rotation will look like this. It's going to be Kershaw, Bueller, Maeda, Urias, and May in that particular order. But, I, but, but I'm actually going out on a limb here that I think Walker Bueller is going to be the opening day starter. I think that would be good. I, I, would, I would like changing to see to that. Changing the guard now. Yeah, a little changing of the guard and, you know, certainly, certainly well-deserved. I think Walker Bueller has proven to be a number one caliber starter. And he actually, what do you think about him uh, approaching the Dodgers on a potential contract extension? I think he he should approach the Dodgers on that because I think what I've seen from Walker Bueller from his major league debut, his incredible 2018 rookie campaign, 2019 was even good. I think Walker Bueller is built to pitch in October. I think he absolutely is. And, you know, if I'm the Dodgers – you jump on that immediately because I don't want to have the opportunity to lose him at any point in time. I think that, you know, going down the road, he's the number one guy and you have to pay your number one guys uh, accordingly. And, you know, if I'm the Dodgers, I'm jumping right on a, you know, talks for a contract extension as as soon as possible. So do you think of of the Dodgers, my question for you is, do you think Maeda and Chris Taylor get put in the trade block potentially? And then you put AJ Pollock on there with Jock. But I don't want I to think so. if you know what I mean. I think so. But, you know, I, I hear you, but I would want to trade A.J. Pollock in this respect. I think that the contract that he is being given right now does not match the production or the on-field, ability, the on-field durability that he's going to give you. Your best, your best trait is availability. And A.J. Pollock – has just shown that, you know, the injuries are just not going to go away. And he's not going to get healthier as he gets older and progresses through this contract. So I think, you know, he has the highest amount of value that he could possibly have right now. I think you can dump that, you know, a majority of that contract and get maybe something decently significant out of it. Yeah, but I I also think that when it comes to this Dodgers roster for a true or false, do you think Cody Bellinger will follow up on his MVP campaign? True or false? Oh, of course, true. Absolutely true. He has come into a zone and learned his swing inside and out. He's not, you know, chasing those bad breaking balls in the dirt anymore. He's not getting, you know, caught up on those inside fastballs. He's staying true with his swing, and he really understands he, he really understands the rhythm of his swing, and he showed unbelievable defensive ability as well. I, I think that he's going to continue to just flood the all-star ballot is going to continue to be in the MVP conversation for years to come. He can be a gold glove player, either at first base in right field or in center field. But, but as of today, I kind of put him at first base so that Max Muncy starts at second and the Dodgers could do a similar thing. What they did with Verdugo, they didn't put him in the starting lineup right away, but they started him out as a reserve that could go, that could bode for Gavin Lux as well. Yeah, I think so. You start to, you know, you, you, Allow him to adjust full-time to the speed of the game before you throw him in there full-time so that way you're not putting too much pressure on him right off the bat. That's what I was thinking, too. I I want Gavin Lux to be an everyday player for the Dodgers at second base, but I was kind of thinking, like, oh, even the Dodgers got Pollock. 
they could definitely do the same thing what they did with Verdugo last year. They, he made the mm-hmm. team, and he and he started out as a reserve and then worked his way into the lineup. That's the mm-hmm. same for Gavin Lux, who I really have very high hopes for, and I think he's going to be awesome. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, you, you don't want to rush it. You don't want to rush him. It's the same thing with Verdugo. You didn't, you know, last year, you don't want to throw him in there, you know, throw him into the fire immediately, and then all of a sudden – he struggles early on and his confidence lapses. You want to, you know, ease him into it, allow him to adjust to the speed of the game at his own pace. And then once you think he's caught up, you throw him in there and you see how he does. And, and you know, I, from what I saw from Lux last year, I, I was very impressed with him. And he's, I think he's got a great swing and I think he's got a great future. You think Gavin Lux is going to be on the Dodgers opening day roster? I do, yes. I think Verdugo is going to start in center field. I feel like that last year when he missed a lot of time because of his back and oblique, the Dodgers missed him big time. Uh-huh. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that he's a, a very prototypical top of the order hitter for this team. He's got good, you know, the ability to hit the ball to all fields. He's steady. He's got a good approach at the plate. And I, I think that he's going to be a, a staple at the top of the lineup. And I love his energy. And I think he's going to be a clubhouse leader in the near future. Good yeah, things are coming I, for Alex Verdugo. Absolutely. And I, I, I have really, I really am confident that he's going to get re- be ready for opening day. He's going to start in center field, and I think, I think the Dodgers should definitely consider trying out AJ Pollock in right field. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. So that Jock and Kike can platoon in left. Yes. That's what I think. And also, let's talk about. Uh, Another team that's on the rise and a true false game on the San Diego Padres. So, do you think, do you think that, do you think Mackenzie Gore is going to force his way into the opening day rotation? True or false? Absolutely true. I I think that him and Chris Paddock are going to end up being that one-two combination this year for the San Diego Padres. I think that they that that Padres team has a good young core. And they're still starving for more pitching talent to go along with Chris Paddock. So you bring in your, you know, your former first round pick, Mackenzie Gore, with lights out stuff. I think that he could be a really big impact rotation piece this year. Yeah, and also let's talk about on the Padres who they added to upgrade their team. Zach Davies. How do you think he fits into that rotation now that the Padres traded away Dodger killer Eric Lauer? Well, I think that he's going to fit in really nicely. You know, he's, uh, he's not a guy with, you know, stuff that's going to blow you away. And now he's moving out of a ballpark in Milwaukee, that's a, a hitter-friendly park, to a pitcher-friendly park in Dodger Stadium. So now he has the ability, more so than ever, to pitch to his stuff, pitch to contact, and not really have to try too hard to avoid, you know, cheap fly balls that end up being home runs. He can now just focus on, you know, sinking, moving the ball up and down in the strike zone and allowing his defense to do the work for him. And then they also made a trade with the Rays, which I felt like that they should have traded Will Myers. I felt like Hunter Renfro was even better. But Tommy Pham is going to add a different dimension to this Padres lineup. Yeah, I really like that move. Um, you know, I, I, I liked Renfro. I think that he is a really, really good power bat. He's got an incredible arm in the outfield. But, you know, you have Pham who has really good speed, Good versatility. He can play all three outfield positions. Um, you know, a solid defender. And his power started to come along over the last few years as well. And he's just a, a really, really steady all-around hitter. Not, not, you know, not a superstar by any stretch of the imagination, but like an all-star caliber player that is steady. He can hit pretty much anywhere in the lineup. And he's going to give you good production in the outfield as well. 
Yes, and you start – although I wanted the Padres to trade Will Myers, but he's going to start in right field. I think Will Myers could definitely have a bounce-back season than he had this past season. I certainly hope so. Um, I, there, there was so much potential with Will Myers, especially because you saw him make the all-star team in his first year in San Diego. But he, he just really, I, I think, lost his confidence last year. And, you know, you, you really hope that this coming year now, it's a new year, he can kind of restart fresh and, and, and bounce back. You know, because certainly he has the ability. He's, an, um, he's a very good hitter. He's got a good swing. And I think... I just have really high hopes this year for Will Myers. I hope that he's able to bounce back. And then, I don't know if you like this this trade with the Padres. They got Jerkus and Profar. Do you think this is an upgrade for them in the middle infield with Tatis? Yeah, I like Profar. I really do. You get a switch hitter. He's got decent power. Um, I, I think that he's a, a solid second baseman. Nothing unbelievable, nothing flashy. But he's going to make all the play. He's going to make the good plays, and you know, you, you pair him next to a guy like Tatis. He's not going to have to do too much. He's not going to have to be the guy. He can slide himself nicely into the lineup, and he proved last year with the A's that you know he he, he still has that potential. I mean, this is a dude that five or six years ago was the number one prospect in baseball, and is slowly now starting to reach that potential that he once had. Yeah, and also speaking of Tatis last year, if he were if he had a fully healthy rookie season, he could have won this award like we talked about many, many times. But you told me Pete Alonso ended up was the underdog for that award, and he deservingly so won the award. Deservingly so, absolutely. But I do agree with you that if Tatis was healthy for a full season, he certainly would have competed. But, I mean, you get Pete Alonso, 53 homers. 120-plus RBIs. I, I mean, it, it was just almost impossible to not give it to him. Tatis had a great year, a great rookie season, but I think his sophomore season is going to be something spectacular. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. He is healthy. I felt like the Padres this past season, when he got hurt, they just wanted to be very cautious with him. But I know mm-hmm. that now that he has a full offseason to work with and, and a new manager in Jace Tingler – I think Tatis Jr. is definitely going to uh, make a lot of noise, and he's going to be spectacular come this upcoming season. Oh, definitely. If he's healthy, my Lord. That, that's, that's one of the most physically gifted players that we have in our game. His father was okay, but I feel like Jr. is going to be really good. I think Jr. is going to be one of the most special players in baseball for the next 10 to 15 years. And let's talk about a true false game here. Do you think the – do you think the Colorado Rockies remove Wade Davis from the closer role? True. Oh, my God. They almost have to at this point. I mean, Wade Davis has just lost it at the closer role. It's amazing how a guy can fall from being one of the best, if not the best in baseball, to just not really having a feel for anything anymore. I mean, he's still kind of, he still has the arm strength on him, but – just inconsistent movement on his pitches, unable to locate the way that he once could. And just like the, him pitching in Colorado obviously does not do him any favors, but I really think that they need to move on. And, and I, my, my first choice for closer for the Colorado Rockies would probably be Carlos Estevez. Him or Scott Oberg. I think him or yeah. Scott Oberg would be, the, would, would work. Yeah. One of those two. And also at, I'm going to say what is false is that the Rockies are going to trade Nolan Arenado. That's completely false. 
No, I think that's I, I think that's ridiculous, and I, I can't even imagine the the sort of return that the Colorado Rockies would be asking for for Nolan Arenado. Rocky said in Arenado, that is gonna devastate that fan base. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it would be a complete waste. It, it would just be. It, it would essentially be I just saying don't think that the Rockies would do that because I think Nolan is really important to the Rockies in their future. Mm-hmm. But this past season, it was just a tough year. And they mentioned Arenado on trade rumors. I was like, they shouldn't even the, the baseball writers shouldn't even think about that. No, no, this is just you know what it is. It's really just the you know the baseball writers. You know, not not really having a whole ton of stories, so they're just creating clickbait. I mean, that that would just be ridiculous. Nolan, the, the Rockies just had a tough year. They just did not – their pitching wasn't there, but they, they still have offensive firepower. Yeah, they do. All they need to do is just fix their pitch – you know, fix their pitching staff. They certainly need Kyle Freeland to bounce back, uh, ha- have a, a, a much more consistent season out of guys like Herman Marquez and John Gray. Um, you know, maybe go get another starter, a couple I bullpen pieces. Gray, though, don't be shocked. I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked at all. Because I think the Rockies need to save money to extend Trevor's story, which I think they're not going to let go of. Charlie Blackman's locked up for a good for a good amount another years because Blackman mm-hmm. is definitely a stable in that top of the order. But mm-hmm. I think that Colorado is definitely going to be better than they were last year, but they're not going to compete with the Dodgers or something like that. No, 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 of course not. Because no, the they Dodgers still have a long way to go. Colorado's pitching. Yeah, they still are, the, the Rockies still have a long way to go. Stadium, though. Yeah. But also, I think they, they, need, they need more. They just need to – they could do a little bit better. But true or false, do you think, do you think Archie Bradley's the closer for the Diamondbacks? <sighs> I, I want to say true. I really do. But Archie Bradley needs to figure it out. I'm going to say true in this instance. I think that he's going to start out as the closer this year because he's just got too good of stuff for you not to try it. But, you know, if, if he cannot figure out the consistency, then I, I would remove – then you got to remove him and, and just slide Yoan Lopez back in there. Yeah, and also talk about some other good bats in that lineup that you think is going to improve and – what a story for Christian Walker. A 28-year-old mm-hmm. rookie takes over for Paul Goldschmidt and hits about over – he hits over 20 homers. Yeah, it's really amazing. I mean, the, the shoes that that kid had to step into um, was just unbelievably huge with a guy like Goldschmidt, and he did a really, really good job. And I, I think that, you know, now he's kind of got that, you know, shadow of Goldschmidt sort of off of his shoulders now after that rookie season. And, you know, he can kind of just slide comfortably into the lineup. Yeah, I think so too. True or false. Do you think, do you think that, uh, do you think Max Muncy and Cody Bellinger will hit, will combine for 30 homers or more? Oh, combine for 30 homers or more. I think that that's so true. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if both of them hit 30 plus home runs this year. I, you know, the two unbelievable power bats. I thought there were times that I envisioned him in trades so that I would have made the lineup a little bit younger, but people told me that he's just too good to not leave the Dodgers, if you agree. Yeah, he, oh, I do agree. He is, he is too good. I think that when you have a guy like that who is a consistent 30 home run hitter, that, that's so difficult to just – that doesn't just grow on trees. And you have to be able to, you know, keep that type of talent whenever you have it. 
I envision Max Muncie as a big part of this Dodgers team for many years to come. Mm. I do too. I do too. Yeah. With Muncie, I what you get out of him is pop. He's a game changer, and he could definitely, if his defense improves at third base, say one day Justin Turner retires, he could he could be a full time third baseman. Yeah, I think he's a I think he's a half decent defender right now. I think he's taking steps to become better. But certainly, you know, regardless of how good of a defender he is at this current moment, his bat is just so good and just has so much pop and, and swagger and that energy up at the plate that you, you have to find a way to get him into your lineup. Yeah, he's a game changer in so many ways. We're Max Munch. Yeah. yeah. I think ever since his 20, when the 2018 season began, I kind of studied him, and he had a good spring training with the Dodgers. And then when Turner was hurt, missed the first two months of the season – Logan Forsyth was kind of, kind of not playing up to expectations. He was getting hurt. They brought up Max Muncy, and look what he did. He changed the Dodgers. Yeah, he added a another power dimension in that lineup that just made it significantly deeper from top to bottom, and he's an amazing power bat. And I think his growth and his, and I think the way that Muncy's developed, I think he's going. I think Dave Roberts is going to be like other than Turner. You're the next – you're going to be another captain in our clubhouse. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, what I've seen from Muncie, I think whenever he's at the plate, he can change the game. One swing yeah. changes the game, but he's not an average type of hitter. But what I like what I like out of Max, Max Muncie is that he hits the ball to all fields. He, hit, he has good opposite field power, and he's not a guy that's not one dimension. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that he has power – you know – 100% power to all fields and, and just a dude that you know in, in any given situation, one swing has the ability to, to change the momentum of, uh, momentum of a baseball game. True or false in this one? Do you think, uh, do you think Joey Bart is definitely, gonna, is definitely going to be in the bigs at some point? Ah, that's tough. Wow. I would not rush him, and here's why. I think you have to figure out the direction that the team is in. Because I really, I really have no idea what the hell the direction is right now. for The, the, the Giants don't have a good farm system. That's why Farhan could, like, could be open to maybe trading Longoria for more prospects. Yeah, I could totally see that happening. Um, but if I, you know, right now, I think if I'm the San Francisco Giants, if I can see myself competing in even a remote type of way, I keep Joey Bart down. But if yeah, I figure not, out early on. But you could see this. You could definitely see Buster Posey moving to first base in the near future. I think he. I think that you need to move him to first base now. Do it as, as soon as humanly possible. You need to keep that dude's legs fresh, keep him on the field. And, you know, for right now, you can just have like a, a, a decent catcher kind of just, you know, sort of bridge the gap until Joey Bart is able to get there. You could move Brandon Belt to left field. I could see that. Brandon Belt's a yeah. decent outfielder. But also, I think the Giants, the Giants right now, I kind of, t- I think their farm system's not that great to begin with. No, it's not. And they, they need to, you know, like you said, trade an Evan Longoria, trade, you know, trade some of their older players to kind of replenish that farm system so that way they're able to, you know, kind of get back to competing again eventually in the near future. They won't trade Brandon Crawford. I don't think they will. I don't think they will either. Because he's like their their heart and he's like their heart and soul in the lineup. And 
losing Bumgarner, I think that got Giants fans very devastated. Well, yeah, especially the fact that the, you lose them to the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's staying in the division. That, that's, that's a tough blow. I wonder how he's going to be received when Madison Bumgarner takes them out in his return to SF. Do you think he's going to get applause? Oh, I, I, with the amount that he has done for that organization, the only thing you can give him is applause. I'm sorry. That, that's just wrong of the New York, of the, New York, the San Francisco Giants fans if they boo him. You don't think you, you don't expect any booze when when he takes the mound whenever the Diamondbacks visit SF and when he's scheduled to start, you think he's gonna tip his cap to the fans before he throws his first pitch on that mound? Yeah, I think it's gonna be emotional. I think that there are gonna be no booze whatsoever. I mean he's won three World Series titles, he's been uh, a World Series MVP for them, he's been a cornerstone of that franchise. Nothing but praise should come from the San Francisco Giants fans. Yeah, they, they, they should, he should get a, a very good reception when he makes his return to SF, when he's on the pitcher's mound and when he comes to the plate. Yeah, absolutely. Like how Albert Pujols returned to St. Louis. And he, he, the fans treated him so well, no booze, but when he hit a home run, he got a curtain cold. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant to say here. So, so I now let's now we covered we covered everything from our true or false from the NL West, right? Yes. Now let's move on to the National League Central. Let's start with the Cubs. Do you think the Cubs true or false? You think the Cubs resigned Nick Castellanos or no? No, I don't think they do. False. Um, I I think that Castellanos goes to. Arizona. You know, I kind of like Arizona. Yeah, I, I think Arizona's a good fit. Yeah, I, but looking at the, the Cubs here, my, my other question, another true-false question for you is, uh, how do you think David Ross is going to change the complexion and chemistry of the Chicago Cubs? I do. I think that the, I, I think that the Chicago Cubs kind of got complacent toward the end of the run with, uh, with Joe Madden. Now you bring in a guy like him who has such energy. Um, you know, Ross, you know, wins, obviously wins a World Series with that Cubs roster. So he already has, um, you know, incredible standing in that, in that clubhouse. That those guys look up to him. Those guys are going to be able to rally around him. And he, he's going to be able to call out players on their BS. You know, he is a no-nonsense type of guy and, I think he's, he's not going to waste a really, really good leader. Perform badly. Absolutely not. And I know David Ross pretty well because he used to play with the Dodgers, and he and he knows Dave Roberts pretty well. I can't wait to see them uh, manage against each other when the Cubs and Dodgers play. Yeah, I think they're going to be great. And also, what I think is false: the Cubs trade Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. I don't think that's going to happen. Oh God, no, no, that they're, is so false. That's just false because. There are rumors that the Cubs would trade Chris Bryant to the Dodgers or the Nationals. I'm like, the Cubs won't do that. I know no, the they Cubs shouldn't. would be very patient to give Chris Bryant a deal that he deservingly so. Yeah, they, they shouldn't trade him. That would be crazy. And Anthony Rizzo, I don't think the Cubs would move on from him. That's completely no. false. No, that's false. Because the thing is, Dave Rob, Dave, David Ross is going to be so excited 
to work with Rizzo. They were teammates. Now they get to work again with each other again. They get now Rizzo gets to play for for Dave David Ross and also Chris Bryant, who they love. I think that clubhouse is going to be something in Chicago again. Yeah, I think so too. I, I agree. And since he's a catcher, I think he's going to help out Wilson Contreras out pretty well. Yeah, yeah, he is. And, and, you know, generally you find that some of the best managers are catchers. So I think it's going to work really well. Now let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. True or false? Do, do you think the Brewers trade Josh Hader? Yes, true. I do. Um, I, I think that the – I you know what? I, I think that because they're going to be able to get such a good – package for him and you know what where there's smoke there's fire I don't think that these rumors of you know the Brewers shopping him would be out there unless somebody wants them out there and or there's a legitimate reason for them to be out there and I think that there is I think that there's stock in the idea that the Brewers would trade him and I think they're going to get a good price out of it to me I don't think that the Brewers should trade Josh Hader because First of all, I think he is their closer. And if the Yankees would want to trade for, for Josh Hader, he could definitely help out, say, if Batonso signs elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he absolutely do. He absolutely would. And I let, – let me just say – let me just kind of correct myself. I don't think they should trade Josh Hader. I think they will trade Josh Hader because, like I said, where there's smoke, there's fire. But this is one of the best relievers in baseball. If it were my choice, I, he would be staying put in Milwaukee. He sh- I think he stays put in Milwaukee because, first of all, you I don't know how healthy Corey Knable is. That's my only concern if you trade Josh Hader because you have to throw Corey Knable right away in the close role. He just had Tommy John surgery. I'm not sure how effective he's going to be yet. Yeah, absolutely. You you cannot bank on him coming back into the uh, the uh, bullpen immediately and just having success. You have to allow him to, to get back into, you know, to, to get back into the rhythm of everything. And, um, you know, certainly while that happens, you're going to expect a guy like Josh Hader to continue to step up in that role. I think when, look at the Brewers roster, I think Luis Urias is going to be a utility guy because obviously, you know, that Orlando RC is going to start at shortstop. Keston Hura, who I like is going to be at starting at second base. And then mm-hmm. you got, they got Asaval Garcia, who I think, man, is going to love Miller Park, and Ron Healy, who they traded with from the Mariners. That's definitely a decent addition to that lineup for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, yeah, definitely decent additions. Two guys in Garcia and Ryan Healy that have a lot of power. Two dudes that have had 25-plus home run seasons uh, at different points in their career. And certainly when you have guys like that and you put them in an environment like Miller Park, you can just expect balls to fly everywhere. And you move Ryan Braun to first base. I think playing first base with Ryan Braun would help, would help extend his career. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that he, he's starting to just lose speed at this point in his career. He's losing range, and, and, that, and that's saying a lot considering he's only playing left field. But Braun can still hit, no doubt about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ryan Braun is definitely still the heart and soul of the Milwaukee Brewers. And who's going to be coming up, who's up and coming is Christian Yelich. So unfortunate to lose him. But if he were healthy, then I would have thought the Brewers would have beat the Nationals in that wild card game. Yeah, I think so, too. I think Christian Yelich would have made all the difference in the world. Yes. And then Kane, who I think is unbelievable. 
Payne is a great player. He, he's a great player. He has been for years, consistent, um, you know, a, a decent bat up at the top of the order, one of the best defenders that we have in center field, uh, a great all-around talent, what, probably one of the more underrated players that we have. And now, true or false, do you think Jack Flaherty is the new ace of the St. Louis Cardinals? And do you think Carlos Martinez does – and do you think Carlos Martinez remains in the bullpen? True to both. True to both. I, I honestly think that – number well, number one, Jack Flaherty is amazing. Um, he, he's absolutely amazing. Uh, but number two, I, I actually think that Carlos Martinez looked more comfortable in the bullpen. You know, I think he as, – as, as a starter – over you know the past couple of years when he was declining, he started to struggle really finding a consistent release point, finding his command, and it almost just seemed like every inning hit. You know, every inning for him was just kind of an opportunity to just try to light up the radar gun. And if he could throw a, a nasty slider in there every now and then and, and hit a spot every now and then, it would be okay. But you know, now coming out of the bullpen, all he has is that one inning. So all he has is one inning to focus. He can just go out there you know, throw as hard as he possibly can, rip off as many nasty sliders as he can without having to worry about that longevity later in the game. I think a guy like that with that sort of bulldog mentality is perfect for the back end of the bullpen. I feel like the my gut tells me that the, the Cardinals should keep Marcelo Ozuna, but at the same time, Ozuna could definitely benefit from a change of scenery so that the Cardinals mm-hmm. could start Tyler O'Neill in left field and also mm-hmm. keep developing Tommy Edmond. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think on top of that also, I think Ozuna, you know, still still relatively young, still a highly coveted player. So I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be demanding a decent amount of money. Um, and I, I don't think that, you know, I, I really don't think that Air, um, Marcelo Ozuna and St. Louis was a, a great fit. So I think that they should let him walk. Yeah. And where do you think, do you think to- Tommy Edmonds starts in left field so that Matt Carpenter starts at third base? Yeah, I think so. And then Tyler O'Neill's a good backup. Yeah. And I also think, do you think, my question for you is, do you think after coming off Tommy John surgery, do you think Jordan Hicks is going to come back stronger than ever? Ah, it's tough. I, I, you know, you'd like to think so, but it's, it's interesting because, you know, uh, one of the things that you talk that I've always heard from guys who have had Tommy John surgery. I've had multiple teammates myself that have had Tommy John surgery. And one of the things that you hear is that your velocity takes an uptick when you get Tommy John surgery because your ligaments are more wound together at that point. Um, what's really interesting is that you have a guy like Jordan Hicks who throw, is the hardest thrower in Major League Baseball. And, you know, when you throw as hard as, you, as he does, you're going to put a lot of torque and a lot of pressure on the ligaments in your elbow. So it's going to be interesting to see if he's able to keep that velocity um, and coming off of this Tommy John surgery. I really don't know. It's very difficult to say. It's hard to say, but I do expect him to be ready to go as the uh, closer for the, uh, for the uh, Cardinals. Yeah, I do too. And let's talk about the Reds. Uh, true or false? Will Mike Moustakas be a game changer for the Cincinnati Reds? Yeah, I do. I think he's going to, you know, it's it, it's such a luxury for him. He's going from one of the better hitting ballparks in baseball to another one of the better hitting ballparks in baseball. And I think the Reds are a really, really interesting ball club. They got a lot of really good pieces. I think they have a good couple of really good three in their starting rotation with uh, Trevor Bauer, 
Luis Castillo and, and uh, Sonny Gray certainly came into his own last year. And I think a re- it's going to be a really nice combination with, him, with Mike Moustakis hitting behind guys like Aristides Aquino and Joey Votto in that lineup. I, I actually, and, you know, Eugenio Suarez as well. There's a lot to like, I think, about this Reds lineup. And you get a 25-30 home run guy like Moustakis with playoff experience that's going to be a good clubhouse leader for them. The Reds are going to come back. I think they're going to be they're going to start competing again, but I don't think they're going to keep up with the likes of Milwaukee, Chicago, and St. Louis. But Cincinnati is trending in the right direction. Nick Senzel is going to be a stud. Aquino in right field, his he's going to get even better. And uh, I feel like that this Reds team is definitely trending upward. Yeah, the Reds are certainly going to be one of the most interesting teams to watch in baseball. I think that they're definitely going to be one of the most improved teams. Yes, they will. Talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Do you think Derek Shelton is going to be a good good relator to the Pirates, true or false? Uh, True. True. I think that they – I really think that getting a different guy in there was a huge thing for them. You know, you have Clint Hurdle in there for so many years – and this is no disrespect to Clint Hurdle because Clint Hurdle is a great manager, but I think at some point with every manager, there, there comes a point in time where you kind of just tune out their voice a little bit. You know, you, you've kind of gotten used to all of their stories and, you know, you've gotten used to, you know, the way that they try to fire up teams and their various speeches and things like that and the way that they manage games and you sort of just tune everything out and you get sick of things. And, you know, you bring in Derek Shelton, it's a change in culture, it's a change in, uh, in perspective at the managerial position that, you know, for, for a Pirates team that is just a, a kind of a, a disaster right they're now. They're a mess right I, now. I, yeah, they are a disaster. Yeah, They'll be they're, one of they're, the worst ball clubs in baseball. Yeah, they will. They're an absolute mess. And I, I think, but I do think that getting a guy like Derek Shelton in there is going start to start to get the ball rolling as far as changing the culture. Yeah, and – Obviously, he was a pitching coach for the Twins, who you and I actually think the Twins are on the rise. I think mm-hmm. he's, he's going to work with this pitching staff, and I think his job is to get Chris Archer right. Yeah, oh, my God. I, I just don't know what the hell happened to Chris Archer. I mean, this is – like, I've never seen a dude fall from – well, actually, it's not true. I've watched Matt Harvey. But I, this is a, a dude who just fell off the face of the earth. I mean, he was an all-star two or three years ago, and then he got to Pittsburgh, and my God, the stuff has just fallen flat on its face. Yeah, the Pirates are a mess. They're going to be big-time sellers, and also, I'm not sure what the situation is with Felipe Vasquez. Oh, that's a nightmare, too. I mean, that's... But he's right. Felipe Vasquez is one of the better relievers in all of baseball. Yeah, he absolutely is, but I have no clue if he's going to be even to be able to step on the field or anything. I really don't know. This whole situation with him is just messed up. True or false next for the Miami Marlins? Do you think they sign Yasiel Puig? And do you think Drew Stankenrider is going to be their closer? Um, true, I do think they sign Yasiel Puig. Um, I think it's a good fit. You know, Cuban dude in a Cuban community with good pop. I mean, you're trying to get players to be able to kind of get the, the franchise rolling in the right direction. They have some decent young players. Um, that I think could benefit from Yasiel Puig. 
And true to Drew Stankenreiter, I think that he's got good stuff. Um, and I think the Marlins are certainly looking for that closer of the future. I think he has the opportunity to be that guy. He has no control. Oh, absolutely none. Zero. He's, he, he has the stuff, but his control is off. Oh, no, it's terrible. I, it's, it's probably one of the most inconsistent commands of a fastball that I, I've seen in a long time. He, I mean, He shouldn't be it, a closer. It, he could be a long reliever that could eat, eat, eat innings up. Yeah, because, you know, he has experience as a starter. So he's a guy that could go two, three, maybe four innings and give you decent baseball. But by no means would I throw a guy like that in a significant role as a closer. I think Sandy Alcantara is going to be the ace of this Marlins staff. Yes, unbelievable stuff. Love Alcantara. Um, and Jordan uh, they, Katamoto, they, who they got in yeah. the LH deal. Yeah, I, I think those are two really good guys. I love Alcantara. Um, I, I think that Yamamoto is a really, really nice compliment behind him at the number two. I think the who I think is going to start at first base for the uh, Miami Marlins, you might agree with me on this, and that's Jesus Aguilar. Ooh, yeah, I agree. I think that's an underrated signing. You know, Aguilar kind of fell off with the Brewers, didn't have that same production. Hopefully, just a change, a change of scenery is just a, a really, really big deal for guys. And I, I think that even now, though it's not a great – Last year, now he's joining the Marlins. I think he's definitely going to make an impact in this Miami Marlins lineup. Yeah, I think so. Big With time Brian pop. Anderson. And yeah, big time pop that I think is going to be able to play in that ballpark. Next up, we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Phillies. Is Joe Girardi going to be a game-changing manager with the Phillies, true or false? Yes, true. Absolutely. Loved this signing. Absolutely Although you loved it. you had him as your manager for the Mets. They were linked. I do. I do. I'm extremely jealous. Yeah, I'm extremely jealous uh, of the Philadelphia Phillies for this signing. I think that he's going to be perfect for them. Playoff experience, great temperament, great baseball mind. Um, you know, the ability to lead young men. I think this is perfect for the Philadelphia Phillies. An upgrade over Gabe Kapler, and I think that he's going to be – he's going to relate to Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins. But I think he need, with with him there, he needs to figure out Odubel Herrera and get him right. Uh, yeah, that that's another disaster too, Odubel Herrera. Um, I, I, healthy, but I don't know what the Phillies should do with them. Do you think they should start him in center field or they should just move on? I think they should move on. I, I think he's too much of a headache. He can be kind of a headache. He's ha- his criminal history showed it. Yeah, his criminal history and his, you know, and on top of that, he's, his hitting is just so inconsistent. I think, you know, for me, off field issues, on field issues, too much of a headache for me to deal with. Absolutely. True or false in this one. Well, is Carlos Beltran going to make an impact as the next manager of the New York Mets? Um, I, I don't think that Mickey Calloway was the right fit at all. And I think Beltran is going to be much better. Beltran's a, a smart baseball mind, um, a, a really, really good dude, can bridge the gap uh, bilingually on this team. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier in the show, under, you know, not too far removed from playing in today's modern-day environment. So he understands the teams, he understands the players, he understands the managers, and I think he's going to use that to his advantage. I think Carlos Beltran is going to teach Pete Alonso how to be a leader, and that's going to work out very well. I think he's going to – I think 
I think his, him and his pitching and his pitching coaches together, they gotta they gotta figure out Edwin Diaz. Oh God, someone, someone on this earth needs to figure out Edwin Diaz. It's just, it's just unbelievable to He's me. He's still like, your closer as of now. Yeah, I, I I don't even know what to think. I mean, I really don't know. I, I'm hoping for a bounce back season. I'm hoping it was just one of those, you know, first season new ball club jitter type of years because he's got too good of stuff to be as bad as he was. But my God, I, I really hope he figures it out. Yeah, I think I think I think that he's got to figure that out. And I think I, I credit Brody Van Wagenen for bringing in Carlos Beltran as your new manager. Yeah, yeah, I I really like the move. I'm very very excited. And now let's talk. Let's talk about the Atlanta Braves. True or false? Austin Riley. Do you think he is going to be that game-changing player on the Atlanta Braves in that lineup now that Josh Donaldson is most likely moving on from there? True or false? True. True. Big time bat. Uh, has to stay. You know, I, I I'm so interested to see how he bounces back off that knee injury. Uh, big time that was, ACL tear. Huge for the Braves. Brutal blow for them in the middle of that lineup and. You know, if he's able to That's recover off of that. Five to the Cardinals. They didn't have that other guy that they would have had in the middle of the order. Yeah, and if he's able to recover off of that injury, he's a big bat for them that they could sit behind Acuna uh, in the middle of that lineup and Freddie Freeman. And, you know, I, I really hope he's able to bounce back. Talk about the, the Braves in, that off, in their offseason so far. Well, how do you feel about Cole Hamels joining the Braves? I like it. Good veteran piece, He's good left-handed guy. Teacher to Soroka and Freed. Yeah, and more importantly, he's going to be a really important leader in that rotation for those guys, two young guys who are, are fantastic young pitchers with a dude who you could argue is one of the best pitchers of his generation in Cole Hamels. And also, this is a tough choice for me and who the Braves should start opening day. Do you think it should be Cole Hamels or should it be Mike Soroka? Mike Soroka. Absolutely Soroka, 100%. I'm with you on Soroka. I, I, I would have picked Hamels because of the experience, but the way that Mike Soroka pitched in the postseason and had a good regular season, I really think Mike Soroka is going to be the opening day starter for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, I think Soroka is the man for the job. And I think Max Freed will be that, that second ace on that team. Yes. And also, with the catcher's position for the Braves, I'm not really sold on Tyler Flowers starting every day. Neither am I. Um, I I don't dislike Tyler Flowers. I don't think he's a very consistent bat. I think they could probably go out and get somebody better. Um, And I think that they should definitely look into it. Farm system that could definitely take over the catching job. Yeah, yeah, I do think so. Yeah, I think he's definitely an option. Yeah. What were you saying on William Contreras? I think he's definitely a good option. Yeah, over Tyler Flowers and Travis Dono. Yeah. And I think I think the Braves' bullpen is going to be better than they were last year because I think they kept Chris Martin for another year. Shane Green, definitely a good addition to that bullpen with Will Smith and Mark Melanson. Yeah, hopefully that bullpen is able to, you know, be better than they were last year. I think they kind of they, they kind of underachieved with those trades once they brought those guys in. Hopefully those guys are able to figure it out for a full year this year. 
True or false, Josh Donaldson is a national, and the Nationals keep Mr. National, Ryan Zimmerman. True. I think that's true. Um, I, I think it would be a really, really nice fit. Um, still a good third baseman defensively. A ton of pop. Uh, not going to be a super expensive contract. And for Zimmerman, one-year deal, still has some offensive ability left in him. You're not going to ask too much of him in the middle, you know, to, to be a star in the middle of that order. Um, I, I think that that's a really, really good cheap option for them. And I do think when, if, when, if, when the Nationals finalize a new deal for Ryan Zimmerman, he's going to start at first base. Yes, I agree. Along with Carter Kaiboom at second, I think Howie Kendrick will back him up. But I think Howie Kendrick's role this upcoming season for the Nationals is not going to be an everyday player. He's going to be a guy no. that's going to be a good bat off the bench. Yeah, I agree. And remember that game-changing home run he hit against the Dodgers? That defines mm. how good of a hitter he is. Yeah, he is a very, very good hitter, very good clutch hitter. Um, and, and that's the type of dude that you'd love to have on your bench, a guy that you can throw into any given situation uh, late in the game. And, and this is a guy that's not going to be scared. Uh, he's going to go up there and, and take his hacks, and you know he has the ability to impact the game. True or false? First, let's start with the American League West with the Houston Astros. Do you think the Astros trade Carlos Correa? No, I there don't. There are rumors I, about I, that because of, of the payroll that they have, but Jeff Lunau said that, I'm not trading Correa. I'm just I'm looking for starting pitching help. Yeah, I don't think they're going to trade Correa. I, I think that that would be a, a very bad move. I think it'd be a bad move. Yeah, because he's had health issues, but I don't think the Astros – I don't think they should trade Correa or, or the stars that they've locked up for years like Springer, Altuve, Bregman, and Brantley. They need to find – I think the Astros need – is is to get another starter. You obviously you got Lance McCullers coming back, but I feel like that they need to get a fourth or fifth guy. Yeah, they definitely do. And and you know you talk about Lance McCullers. Yeah, he's coming back, but he's coming off of a, a year removed from baseball. You don't know immediately how he's going to walk right off the bat. So you have to go get another guy to fill out that rotation. I also think the Astros are going to keep uh, Martin Maldonado. Yeah, I think they so, too. They love him down there, that's for sure. Yeah, they do. And another true false question is, is Jordan Alvarez going to have a sophomore slump? No way. Absolutely not. He's way too good for that. Too much pop. Too good of a swing. Too simple of a swing to be able to fall into that sophomore slump. Yeah, he's too good for that. But I don't think the Astros are moving on from Correa. I think what Jeff Lunau was saying, you you saw that, that the the Astros were considering trading – Correa so that the Astros would ha- would would have more financial flexibility in their payroll, but that's not happening. No, no way. I don't because think so. The Astros need to keep their big four together in Bregman, Correa, Altuve, and Springer. Yeah, they do. But if they trade Josh Reddick, I would be okay with that. Yeah, I mean he's not he's nothing significant in, really in that in that. You could move you know, Jordan right field to that Kyle Tucker there young prospect who they're very excited about starts in center field. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. That's definitely a good move there. True or false next for the Angels. Do you think Anthony Rendon is going to make an impact with this team? And do you think the Angels should go after Hunjin Ryu if the Dodgers don't sign him? True to both. Um, I, you know, uh, like I said, it's going to be fun to watch offensively. 
they're going to put up some really, really good numbers offensively. But their main need was not Rendon. Their main need was pitching. So if I'm them, I'm going after every single pitcher, whether it's a starter or a reliever, that's left on the market, and I'm trying to sign them. And Hunjin Ryu is a great guy, a great example. You need to get a front-end starter to go along with a Griffin Canning because they just don't have enough pitching. Also, the Rangers are still a possibility for Ryu. He could definitely play with Sin Su Chu, who they're teammates, and I think Sin Su Chu is doing some recruiting there. Yeah, as he should be. I think him and Corey, him, Hunjin Ryu, Corey Kluber, and Mike Miner would be a nice one-two-three. But do you think Sin Su Chu should recruit Ryu to, te- to, to be a Ranger? Because they were teammates in Korea, and they're good yeah. friends. Yeah, I would 100% tell Shin Su Chu to recruit him. Yeah, absolutely. If I were the Rangers and if I were if I were Chris Woodward, who I knew from the de- from the day from his days with the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I would definitely do it. Yeah, but I, I think, would do it. But I think for the for the Angels, I think Joe Madden's going to do a heck of a job down there. I think he will too. But again, they need to solve their pitching problem. They don't have any starting pitching. They barely. They don't have any depth in their bullpen. They need to figure it out. True or false? Next for the Texas Rangers. Do you think the Rangers are the pot? Do you think it's a? It's true that you think that the Rangers are the potential destination for Hunjin Ryu. I think they could be a destination for Hunjin Ryu, and I think, like I mentioned, if I'm if I'm in the Rangers organization, I'm getting Shinsu Chu to to be all over this. I think that that would you know the Rangers having a, 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 a one, two, three of Corey Kluber, Hunjin Ryu, and Mike Miner would be really, really solid and could compete with a lot of teams in this league. Also, I think what's going to help the Rangers out this year is the return of Joey Gallo, who missed the rest of the season. And having him hurt really messes things up for the Texas Rangers. Yeah, that's their big-time impact bat. That, that's their 40-45 home run guy, the you know, number one you know, run drip, you know, they're, they're guy that drives in the runs. They're, you know, big impact, scary bat in the middle of that lineup that teams need to fear. And when you have a guy like that missing from your lineup, it's a huge hole. It's a huge hole for the Rangers. They really need to have him healthy in order for the Rangers to make this a four team race in this crowded NL AL West. But I think the AL West will still belong to Houston. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about the Mariners, true or false. I've said this guy was on the hot seat last season, and I don't know why they haven't done this. Do you think this is the year that Scott Service manages for his job? True. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I really don't know what they were seeing last year that made them think that Scott Service deserved to keep his job. Like, I really don't get it. I, I, this is a bad team, and they're not getting any better. And uh, – I'm sorry, Scott Service does not does not deserve to have a job. No, the Mariners they're not they're not Seattle's best team. It's the Seahawks. The Mariners oh, uh, are just, the Mariners are just rebuilding. Yeah, definitely, and it looks like it's going to be a slow and painful rebuild at that. Their fans are going to be so their their fans are going to be impatient. Yes, they are, and they want postseason baseball for the Mariners. But I'm sorry. With, it's a loaded, it's a loaded AL West with four good teams on the rise. The Rangers are definitely heading in the right direction than the Mariners are. 
Yeah, oh, definitely. The Mariners, I, I can't even see really a direction, honestly. They don't have the starting pitching. They have, they, they have a lot Boston's of – not bad, and Kikuchi's not bad, but they need more. They oh, they do more. need more. And, you know, they have a lot of nice young talent, but it's buried kind of low in their minor league system with guys like Jared Kalenic and Justin Dunn. They're still kind of low down there. Dunn had a, one or two major league appearances last year, but for the most part, not ready. So, you know, Justin they, they Dunn just, not ready, but he's definitely going to be an ace for the team in the near future. I think so, yeah. And Jared Kalenic, he's got he's to have a rookie year this year. Jared Kalenic has a very, very high ceiling. Very you high. You know him because you got him. He was part of that deal that sent Edwin Diaz to the Mets. Yeah, he is a excellent, excellent young hitter. I think the moment that he steps up in in Seattle, those Mariners fans are going to love that kid. They love and their and their best player right now is Daniel Vogelbaugh. Yeah, he's a good young power bat. Really like him. I compare him to Kyle Schwarber. He's Kyle Schwarber two point Yeah, I. Yeah, I actually agree 100%. True or false next on the Oakland A's. Now that Blake Trinan moved on, is Liam Hendricks the closer? Oh, full-time. Absolutely, yes. He definitely is. Last year, he stepped into that closer role uh, at the end of the season after Trinan kind of lost his confidence and did an unbelievable job. And I think that his only way from here is up. I think he's going to continue to build on that. I think what's also true about the Oakland A's is that they're going to continue to build their lineup around Chris Davis, Matt Chapman, and Marcus Simeon. Yeah, definitely, 100%. And you can add Matt Olson into there, too. He is a very, very good young hitter at the first base position for them. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I also think their rotation is going to be even better when they get Sean Manaya healthy. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah definitely. Manaya has got a ton of potential. For that team. He's got a ton of potential. True or, fa- true or false next. Let's start with the team that you and I raved about all last year, and they're going to continue to make noise in the American League Central, the Minnesota Twins. Do you think Rocco Baldelli is the right fit for the Mariners, for the Minnesota Absolutely. Twins? Oh, 100%. Definitely. You saw last year the way that their play just jumped offensively, tops, you know, near the top of the league in, in runs scored, home runs. And, and the main thing that you saw last year was that their pitching really took a step up. Berrios was great. Uh, Kyle Gibson, who's no longer with the team, was now good. He's a Ranger. The Rangers are going to love to have him. Yes, they will. And they're, they're, their team was just better. Their vibe was just better. Um, you know, the way that they played on the baseball field, you can tell that there was a certain energy and a presence that they brought that, you know, they did not have uh, in their final year or so with Paul Molitor. Yeah, and speaking of the Twins, when the Dod- the Dodgers play the American League Central this year, and I have that series circled on my calendar, I cannot wait to see the Dodgers play the Twins twice. Yeah, it's going to be a series that's just full of offensive firepower. And I think the Twins are definitely heading in the right direction. But like I said, could I see them competing for a wild card spot? I can, but the American League is so tough, man. It's like the Western Conference yeah. of the NBA. Yeah, the American League is, is, is absolutely stacked. The National League is so weak, but it's run by the Dodgers. You can name three good teams there. The Dodgers, the Brewers, or the Braves, or the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. True or false in this one? Let's go to the Southsiders, the Chicago White Sox. Do you think 
the did you do you think the do you think Nomar Mazara is an upgrade in right field for the White Sox? True or false? Definitely, definitely true. Nomar Mazara is a really interesting ad for them. A great power bat, still a really young kid, still developing. Uh, I, I think, you know, even though he is a really, really good player at this point, but I think he adds an unbelievable dimension to their lineup now. A, a solid young power bat that they can throw in the middle of the order behind Jose Abreu. Um, I think it but adds life to their lineup. They're going for it this offseason. Yeah, and they're, do, they're making a lot of really nice moves that I like. I, I really liked that Mazzara move. To be their DH. Oh, my God. They would have a great lineup. I think they would have a really good lineup. And then you get Kopech back behind Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. I, I think it, I, I think that this White Sox team is going to be pretty good. Last year they were okay, but they were not healthy. But I don't think I don't think Rick. I'm not putting Rick Renneria on the hot seat. I think this is going to be the best team that Rick Renneria is going to work with. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent And talk of speaking of AL Rookie of the Year favorites. You could agree with me on this one. I have Lewis Roberts circled on my list of AL Rookie of the Year favorites. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think he is going to be up near the top of the list as far as candidates for that award. And also, don't forget about the Angels prospect, Joe Adele, who's going to replace yes. Calhoun in right field. Yeah. I, don't, I did not want to forget about him. Those are my two early front runners for American League Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I agree with Lewis you. Lewis Robert and... Joe Adele. Yes. And then my early favorites for the NL Rookie of the Year award is Gavin Lux and Mackenzie Gore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love those picks. Don't you agree with those AL and NL Rookie of the Year picks, early, early, early front runners for that? Yeah, I like those picks. But speaking of the White Sox, I think Lewis Robert is going to start in center field so that mm-hmm. so that uh so that you so that they start that foundation. And I think Jimenez was missed last year. Jimenez is definitely missed. That's a – that is an impact bat. My God, Oof. that was such a blow to the White Sox. That is – you know, every now and then, you, you just have a guy who, like, the moment he steps in the box, you just know is just this impact dude. That, that's Eloy Jimenez. I mean, the guy just screams power the moment he steps in the box. And he's got an unbelievably effortless swing. The ball jumps off of his bat. Um, I think that if he's able to stay healthy this year, he's a dude like a, you know, he's going to be like a Juan Soto type of guy who has the ability to, at a young age to hit for 35, 40 home run power. Do you think that this is the best roster that Rick Renneria is going to work with? I think, oh, definitely. I think this is the best roster that the White Sox in general have had in probably the last five years. But I th- I gotta think I gotta think that Rick Renteria is the right person to lead the White Sox into the future. I think he is. I definitely think he is. I good certainly wouldn't give up on him just yet. And good with time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Although I felt bad for him that he got fired after one year with the Cubs. Yeah, but you know, new beginnings. I, I think this is going to be a better a better thing for him to be with the White Sox. And adding yes. Grandal, who used to be a daughter, oh, my God, a catcher that can hit, but needs work defensively, though. Yeah, but, pow, you know, pop like that from both sides of the plate, my, oh, my. The White Sox are going to be interesting. They're going to be such an interesting team this year, and I cannot wait to see when the Dodgers visit the south side, 
the south side of Chicago this year. And also, I'll see the White Sox play the Dodgers in spring training. And I can't wait to see this Chicago White Sox team come April in March. This yeah, is so much fun to watch with this young talent that they have. Yeah, they're going to be a lot of fun. Tim Anderson, I think, is a leader. Mancato is going to be real, really special. Abreu, I think, is the captain of that team. Yeah, yes, he absolutely is. And I think Colome is definitely the guy that's the right person to be the closer. And I think, I think getting uh, what getting uh, Michael Kopech back is going to make this team a lot better. Definitely going to make that rotation deeper. You add another guy with great stuff behind Giolito, and and uh, you know you talk about Reynaldo Lopez in that mix also. True or false for the Royals? Do you think the Royals nailed it with Mike Matheny as their next manager? I think so. I, I think so. You know, Matheny was a good manager uh, with St. Louis, so he's already got that previous experience. He's got playoff experience. So he understands how to lead his team, how to lead that team in the right direction. And right now, you know, the Royals are, are looking for a guy long-term to be able to lead their team in the right direction. And I think that he could – I felt like Ned Yost did a tremendous job with the Royals. Mm-hmm. He, he did, did during his tenure. Yeah. With them. But yeah. I, think, I think going in, going with Mike Matheny as their manager, I think he could really help this Royals team get back to where they need to be. But realistically, I don't think the Royals are going to be that good this year. No, I think it's going to be a really long road before the Royals get back. But I, I like the players that they have, but, Getting Salvi Perez back from Tommy John surgery is going to really help that lineup. Some reinforcements there, but I don't think they're going to trade Whit Merrifield. No, I think that Whit Merrifield is arguably the outside of Salvador Perez their best player. You got two got two veteran guys in your lineup, and I don't really trust their pitching right now, except for Danny Duffy. Yeah, I don't trust anybody on that staff besides Duffy. They need to, you know, continue to you know, uh, develop guys in the minor leagues, you know, uh, maybe get some veterans in there to kind of help out those young guys, develop them, uh, just just continue to get that staff better over time. True or false, do you think the Tigers put Joe Jimenez, Matt Boyd, and Michael Fulmer on the trade block? True or false? I'm going to say true to – I'm going to say true to everybody except for Michael Fulmer. I think that they need to wait with Michael Fulmer coming off of Tommy John surgery. I want to see how he comes off of it. I want to see the way that his arm is, the velocity, everything. Um, so, you know, before, uh, until I have a really solid understanding of how the surgery has affected him as a pitcher long term, I, I hold on to him for now. But you think you could trade Joe Jimenez and Matthew Boyd for more value because the Tigers are definitely in a different situation right now. Yeah, they are. They have some nice young pieces right now, but they're still kind of getting everything loaded up correctly. You know, they're, they're still kind of figuring out where else they need to fill in their spots. And, um, you know, I think, you know, Boyd's value after his performance last year is, is pretty high. And I think that they can get some decent players out of him. Joe Jimenez, I, I wanted, I was hoping the Dodgers could find a way to get Joe Jimenez to the Dodgers because he definitely could be a good compliment to Kenley Jansen. But Joe Jimenez is going to be their closer for the Tigers. Yeah, I agree. And I think he's their, he's their best player. I think he's definitely their all-star player. And then mm-hmm. I think Miguel Cabrera is definitely a good veteran leader in your clubhouse. 
And I don't think I'm not putting I'm not giving up on Ron Gardenhire as the manager of the Detroit Tigers. No, neither am I. I, I think that this needs to, you know, for the team just needs to continue to, you know, kind well, of fill in the pieces. Experience helps this young Tigers squad. Definitely. That's why the Tigers did a good job in hiring Rod Gardenhire. Yeah, absolutely. True or false? Next, let's start with the team that you and I think is going to be really special this year, and that's the Toronto Blue Jays. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Kevin Bijou, and Rowdy Tellez. Do you think that that's going to be a good middle lineup combo? True or false? True. Um, I, I still think that the Blue Jays in totality as a team still have a little bit of a ways to go, but you want to talk about a, having a great core in the middle of your team. My God, I mean, those four dudes are going to be fantastic offensive players for them. Bichette's definitely your leadoff hitter. And I, I went to a Dodger, you know, last year I went to a Dodgers Blue Jays game and I saw Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit a home run. I was like, my God, the best power in the world. He's amazing. The ball jumps off of his bat in a way that is just uncommon. I mean, his swing is just so effortless. And he's just, he, you know, the back speed that he generates with that big, tremendous frame. He's such a star, and he has a cannon as well uh, playing in the field. Yeah, and also, sorry this is a little bit off topic, but I want to congratulate Ken Harrelson for being the Fort C. Frick Award winner. Great broadcaster. And he's one of, other than Vin Scully, Ken Harrelson is one of my favorite baseball broadcasters. He has good sense of humor, and he is famous for making What Are You Doing, Wagner? And you can put it on the board, yes. Yeah, congratulations to him. He's been one of the best in the, uh, in, in the business for a very long time. He is so funny, like Bob Uecker. But I think my favorite, call, my favorite saying of Ken Harrelson was, you can put it on the board, yes, for a home run. Yeah, he – I feel like yeah. he should be still broadcasting those White Sox games with all the talent that they have. He would be excited. Yeah, I, I think that he would do I, – I think that he would do great. I, I always enjoyed him as a broadcaster. And also the what are you doing Wegner thing. Yeah. Which we think it's, it's true that Mark Wegner is not a good umpire. Oh, not at all. No. He, he had that right. Yeah, because Mark Wegner is – Terrible behind the plate, and his strike zone's not that good. No, it is not. It's it's crazy. It's like it's all over the place. Like speaking of the umpires last year in the World Series, talk about that World Series crew led by Gary Cedarstrom. They were awful. Oh, good God! The oh Jesus. They made probably a lot of calls that were in the zone. Like, for example, when Gary Cedarstrom was behind the plate. When the ball was like almost in the dirt and he called out a strike? Are you kidding me? That was probably one of the worst umpiring performances by a crew in a playoff event that I've seen in a, in a very long time in Major League Baseball. Gary Cedarstrom, he was blind. Yeah, he apparently was. I'm not really that big of a fan of Gary Cedarstrom. No, neither am I. He, I've had him for Dodger games, and I know you've had him for Mets games. Yeah, not 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 the best umpire in the world. Yeah, so but talking about the Blue Jays, that's going to be a good middle of the lineup combo. Tessa Hernandez, I think, has the speed. Ludus Gurriel Jr. He's going to be good, but their ace is up and coming, and that is Jacob Wasapak. 
yeah, Jacob Wasapak is a nice young arm. Uh, hopefully they're able to fill out some other arms around him. You know, they really thought that Aaron Sanchez was going to be a guy for them. He's they a ended up trading him to Houston. Big-time bust for them. Very unfortunate because he had such great stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what comes on that front. We'll, you know, you certainly know that they're going to have the young offensive firepower all over that lineup. It's just a matter of them filling out their pitching staff. How do you feel about Chase Anderson joining the, the Toronto Blue Jays? I think it's a nice fit. I, I think it's interesting. You know, he's going to be able to jump in there and, and probably be a top-of-the-rotation guy for them. And he's a steady dude. He's going to give the innings. Um, he's, he's pitched in an environment like Toronto where, you know, it's a, a pretty much a, a hitter's-friendly ballpark, and he's going to be pitching in a division with a lot of hitter's-friendly ballparks. So I think, it's, I, I think it's a good fit. Absolutely. True or false for the Baltimore Orioles? Do you think the Orioles should move on from Chris Davis? True or false? Oh, my God. Yes, true. Oh, Jesus. That is one of the worst contracts that there is in sports, just purely in general, not even just in baseball, in sports. I mean, the dude can barely hit his weight anymore, and he's constantly striking out. He's a liability at the plate. He almost kind of looks like he should be, they should send him to, like, single A. Like, honestly. At the Learn point. how like, to hit is, again. Learn how to hit again. My God, he has lost his swing. He has lost his swing. But I'll tell you what, a bright spot for this Baltimore Orioles team, who I think is going to be a big part of their future, is John Means. Yeah, I definitely think so. I agree. They have a You know what? Baltimore has a couple of nice young players that they just need to continue to groom. And, you know, I I think that, you know, as Brandon Hyde and and the – you know, the organization continues to, to go further in a direction toward progress. They'll be able to, you know, kind of continue to develop those young players. And, and eventually, they'll get to where they need to be. Eventually. They will, well, it's, but it's, gonna, it's, not gonna, it's probably going to take another three years for the Baltimore Orioles to get back to where they once was. But I don't think they're going to be that good right now because, first of all, this American League East is tough. Yeah, this is a stacked division this is this is a really really tough division i mean this is arguably i would say definitely up there as far as being one of the best divisions in baseball true or false next for the tampa bay rays is do you think that this is the mystery team for hunjin ryu to land tampa bay with hunjin ryu would be incredibly interesting you get Hunjin Ryu, Charlie Morton, Tyler Glass now. That would just be stupid and good. Blake and, they, and Blake Snell. And that, I, that, I think, is going to be a good one, two, three, four, five in Tampa Bay, but they would only use the opener on, on, on some occasions. Yeah, that would be a stupid good rotation. I, think, I really think that the Rays should look into that. I know they have a limited amount of resources financially, but I, I you know, you want to talk about the deepest rotation in the sport. If they got Hunjin Ryu up in there, that would be easily the deepest rotation in major league baseball. That's a mystery team for the Rays. Yeah, oh, that, that would be, yeah, that would be interesting. But having Charlie Martin there. Oh my Lord, Charlie Martin. What a story he's been. I mean, yeah. I think Charlie Morton is definitely the, the like even though he's a journeyman, he has found himself to ace to ace form. Oh, he's been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, this is a dude with that 
early on in his career had kind of, you know, was basically a failed kind of journeyman starter. Then he goes to Houston, completely revamps his mechanics, gets his velocity way up, and now all of a sudden this dude is an ace, and it's unbelievable to watch his transformation. And I think the Rays are a team that's they're going to be making a lot of noise this year. Yeah, I agree. I think the Rays are going to be insanely competitive. I saw the Rays play the Dodgers this past season, and when I saw Austin Meadows hit that go-ahead home run, I was like, man, the Rays really won that trade with Pittsburgh. Yeah, and they, they really did. They fleeced them in that trade. You get a, a front-line starter in glass now, an excellent young hitter in Meadows, and, and look how that's worked out for the, the Pirates. Archer's been trash. It has been trash, that's for sure. So, true or false, you think the Red Sox trade Mookie Betts? I say false. False. Absolutely false. Well, the thing is, the Red Sox could clear payroll and trade David Price, but however, they still have to eat up J.D. Martinez's contract. But that's a con- that's a player that Red Sox fans love, J.D. Martinez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's also a really productive player. I think that, you know, the, the production of – J.D. Martinez meets the contract, whereas the production of David Price does not meet the contract. So now you can un- you have to unload that contract, and um, you know you-, you can't trade a superstar player like Mookie Betts. You, you just can't oh, do that. Absolutely not, because I think if the Red Sox trade David Price, I think that they should that definitely will save them money to extend Rafael Devers, who I think they yeah. I think is a big part of their future. Rafael Devers is a star. He's an unbelievable hitter, a star. That kid's going to be one of the best third basemen in baseball for the next 10, 15 years. That de- uh, as long as his defense gets better, which I've seen. But, man, oh, man, he can hit. Yes, he can. But I, I really like Rafael Devers. I think he's going to be a big part of this Boston Red Sox team in the near future. But if they trade Jackie Bradley Jr., then I think that's when I think their payroll will start getting down. Yeah, I think so, too. I think they'll trade Bradley, but I think Mookie Betts is definitely a big part of the Red Sox future. So is Benintendi. So is Xander Bogarts. Pedroia, I don't know. I don't know. Pedroia can't stay healthy anymore. No, he needs to retire. I think it's Michael Chavis' time. Yeah, it is. You know what? Pedroia's had a really, really nice career. He's been an unbelievable kind of folk hero for the Boston Red Sox, but the, the guy just cannot stay on the field for more than five minutes. Like, it, it, you know, there's a certain point where your body just calls for you to just, like, shut it down. And I think Pedroia has hit that point. True or false for the Yankees? This is a third base question. Who starts at third base? Mm. Urshela or Miguel Andujar? If he's healthy, there's absolutely no reason why Miguel Andujar should not start at third base. He's clearly the more talented player. I give credit to Gio Urshela for filling in last year and showing some really good offensive ability. But this is a but Miguel Andujar is an incredible talent. He's got unbelievable bat speed, great doubles power, you know, great power to the gaps. He can hit you, you know, uh, for a high average. He can hit twenty to twenty five home runs. Needs to improve his defensive ability, defense at third base. But if he is healthy, there is no reason for him to not be in the lineup. This, I think, it has to be tough for Aaron Boone on who you're going to start in left field and who you're going to have as your primary DH. Do you think you start? Do you think you put Clint Frazier in left field and then you put 
Stanton as your DH, and then Gio Urshela is like this backup guy. Yeah, that's kind of what I would do. I don't think of Stanton as an outfielder at this point in his career. I don't think he has the range. Um, I, I think that he's much better served as just a primary DH. And, you know, plus I think that Frazier is far more athletic at this point in his career than, than Stanton would be. And I, I would just love to see at some point for Clint Frazier to get a full-time opportunity. He will. I think he'll be with the Yankees. I think he'll start in left field. But a big blow to that lineup to, for, like, uh, for like the first eight months of the season until August is Aaron Hicks being out for that long. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, yeah that's a really big deal. That is a really, really big deal. That's big because when healthy, Aaron Hicks is one of the best center fielders in all of in all of baseball, and he played through an elbow injury, and he had Tommy John surgery, and I think that might benefit him. Yeah, I think it might. I, I think it will, you know, uh, I think it will make him stronger. Um, you know, certainly is an unbelievable productive player, good pop, uh, one of the better defenders in the game, an unbelievable cannon for an arm in center field, and uh, a player that the Yankees would love to have in their lineup every day. It was a good thing that the Yankees didn't keep keep D.D. Gregorius because I envisioned Glaber Torres starting at shortstop and moving D.J. LeMahieu from first to second because D.J. LeMahieu is a better second baseman than a first baseman. Absolutely. Much more natural second baseman. Won multiple gold gloves at the second base position when he was with the Colorado Rockies. But I see this Yankees team making noise, and I'm kind of calling it Yankees and Dodgers World Series in 2020. I want to see that. Yeah, I do too. I, I think the Yankees are, uh, especially now that they've signed Garrett Cole, they're a shoo-in to win the American League. Uh, they have no excuses not to at this point. Best team in the American League, and I think Houston will, right, will be behind them. But I also think there will be a round two of the Yankees and Astros ALCS. Yeah, I think so too. I can, I, and I want yeah. it to go seven this time. Not like last yeah. year six when Altuve hit that homer, homer off of Chapman. But I felt like last season, I would have done something different. Don't put Chapman in a tie game situation. I would have put in someone different. Well, I don't even so much have the problem with putting Chapman in as I do the way he was pitching when he got in there. I think he was being way too cute. I think he was throwing way too many sliders. He was trying to finesse uh, around Altuve. When in reality, you have one of the best fastballs in baseball, and you choose not to use it. Makes absolutely no sense to me. He could have used his fastball. His fastball is still over 100 miles per hour. And I felt like he made the right choice to stay a Yankee. Yeah, I think he did too. I didn't, I didn't think he would opt out. I think he, he is, he's going to be a Yankee for a long time. I think so too. And, I, and also, let's talk about now, um, let's talk about uh, which first-year manager is going to make an impact, immediate impact with their ball clubs in 2020. Jace Tingler, mm-hmm. Carlos Beltran, Derek Shelton, or David Ross? Uh, I, I would probably have to say – I'd probably have to say Carlos Beltran or David Ross. And, I mean, that could sound a little biased on the Carlos Beltran thing, but I think that Mickey Calloway just was not a good fit at all. I think that – if I could make a comparison, I think that Mickey Calloway to the New York Mets is what Jason Garrett is to the Dallas Cowboys – where there is all of this talent all over the roster, but a manager or a coach who has absolutely no idea how to use it. Um, and that's what Mickey Callaway was. And I think that uh, Carlos Beltran will better use his talent 
around him. And then for, you know, the, the Chicago Cubs, I think that the Chicago Cubs need kind of a kick in the ass. I think this is way too talented of a team for them not to, you know, be able to make a run at the NL crown. And David Ross is a dude that does not take BS. He's a smart manager. He already has a ton of respect in that clubhouse. And I think he's going to be able to jumpstart this team. I think he will. I think getting moving on from Joe Madden from Chicago, it was not the end of the world. I felt like I credit Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein for picking David Ross as their manager. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, definitely. But I think it was a good pick. As the replacement for Andy Green down in San Diego. I really don't even know what to think about the move. I, I don't really know anything about the guy. Um, I mean, it, it's sort of one of those low-key hires where, you know, you'll kind of just, like, see how it works.